We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast. John McKechnie and Mario Puig here with you, getting you set for free agency. As of recording time, we are about 14 minutes until free agency officially begins, although we've seen a ton of dominoes start to fall already. And Mario, you're the guy that's kind of on our front lines for Rotowire, uh, kind of getting all this organized and analyzed. So how you doing, man? Uh, it's, I've been just staring at twitter for uh i don't know 80 hours in a row now um so another 80 in you i don't know if any of these signings have happened or if i'm just imagining them it could be either one but i'm prepared to analyze uh, both imagined and real uh, occurrences all right well i mean uh last week uh in sort of our free agency primer we we both uh kind of had figured out that that cousins to the Vikings and Keenum to Denver are both pretty likely scenarios. The Vikings asked us who they should sign. And we said, Kirk cousins is better than case Keenum in our opinion. And they were like, you're you're right. Yeah. So thank you. There's some back and forth. And then ultimately it turns out Kirk cousins better than case Keenum. Yeah, we did. They asked us and we, we cleared that up for them. So Kirk cousins going to Minnesota on that fully guaranteed deal. And I think he's going to be great there. Um, Danny Cannell said something that got people mad today where he was like, this is going to be like when Drew Brees went to New Orleans and it almost certainly won't. But, you know, Kirk Cousins leaving Washington is actually regarded about the same 
as people regarded Drew Brees when he left San Diego, it's historical revisionism for everyone to say that he was elite the whole time. There was a time when no one cared about Drew Brees. Uh, so Kirk Cousins, I think bigger like injury red flag history to him too, didn't he? Yeah. He had like a shoulder thing or something. I can't even remember what didn't get him in Miami. Yeah. So it was, uh, he was, he was kind of, uh, just a good quarterback everyone thought and it wasn't until sean payton and him you know built their laboratory for their their specific offense that they have now that anything went beyond that and i'm not expecting john DeFilippo to see to that in minnesota with kirk cousins but i think kirk cousins is really good and stefan diggs and adam thielen get big upgrades i think because case keenum sam bradford are not in cousins level so Right. So uh, I think that this is a situation where like last year, uh, Thielen and Diggs kind of helped. I mean, as as good as Keenum played, uh, you know, that's the absolute best we'll probably ever see out of Case Keenum. But, you know, that's also just a case of Thielen and Diggs kind of, uh, you know, taking the respective next steps in their career. So I think that, you know, Cousins being in the fold now makes things all the much better. Definitely. And uh, I guess Keenum going to Denver then. Uh, it does better, nothing for me, really. It's better than I don't know Paxton Lynch, I guess, but it's not. It's definitely better not than Trevor Simeon. Paxton too. Lynch, though. Not as good. Not as good of a KD ratio as Paxton Lynch. But <laughs> if Case Keenum is playing there, I think even if he has a big regression from his level of play last year, he's still probably a lot better than Simeon and Lynch, and yet still probably closer to a liability than an asset just because those two were just that bad yeah the uh, denver was just a, a complete mess with it with their quarterback situation I, I don't know why um you know after 2016 they, they still thought that like simeon might somehow be uh an answer moving forward so i think that you know keenum uh with the length of the deal and everything i think it probably it doesn't really change my opinion that maybe the Broncos still go with a quarterback in the first round at five. Yeah, it looks like uh, Ben Albright, who has a good pulse on Denver stuff specifically, but also just the whole league. Uh, looks like Baker Mayfield is supposed to be gone by the sixth pick. Yeah, I saw that too. And Denver... Unless they trade up, I don't know how they get at Darnold and certainly not Rosen. Like the, the Rosen stuff just feels off to me. I think he's locked into the first pick. I know it could be Saquon Barkley, but... I think you'd almost rather take Rosen at one, try to trade up for Barkley from four, than you would take Barkley at one and then hope a quarterback falls to you or trade up for that player because mm-hmm. it's always more expensive to trade up for a quarterback and it's never even close. So, uh, yeah, I, I I think Baker Mayfield to Denver makes a lot of sense, assuming a team like Buffalo or... I don't know, Arizona or something doesn't trade up ahead of them at five. Uh, Indianapolis at three would be the spot to watch, I guess. Uh, you think that Indianapolis might be looking to deal that pick then? Yeah, yeah, That'd be definitely. Smart for them, actually. That's, they that's need really to do idea. it. <laughs> they need to do it. Because Bradley Chubb's not worth number three. Not to get like too far off the rails here, but uh, yeah, I, d- I just think that Indianapolis could could do well for themselves to trade out of that pick for, for a quarterback-hungry team. So yeah, I think somebody at three is going to trade up there. Uh, maybe Maybe even if one and two are Rose and Darnold, because uh, if they are one and two, Mayfield isn't a guarantee to get to four. So if you want Mayfield, you better get to three in that scenario. And that scenario, I think, is pretty plausible. Uh, but yeah, I, I think we agree uh, Case Keenum is just a stopgap, and it's like their signing of him is almost almost just in case they just somehow cannot get a quarterback in that first round and so that they don't have to you know go with 
Paxton for, for a whole uh, bleak season. But other than that, uh, I guess Sam Bradford and uh, Mike Glennon going to Arizona might you would think that would basically get them off of the quarterback hunt in the first round, but uh, Albright specifically uh, mentioned them looking at Josh Allen in a trade up. And that is shocking to me, but I guess it only takes like a few dumb teams to do something like that. And I'm sorry, like I could be totally wrong about Josh Allen. It's possible, but I can say without any equivocation, like he is the only instance of his, that I've seen like this, like I've never seen a player who has had the issues that he had in college be held in this sort of regard. Never seen anything like it. The closest thing is just JP Lossman and Kyle Bowler who were more like late first round guys. And I still feel like that has to be Allen's destiny. I just cannot believe the league would be this stupid. Um, but maybe not. And maybe Arizona is still in on him despite going after Bradford and Glennon. I think we can at least say those two aren't inspiring signings in any way in the meantime. No, no I, th- I think that quarterback is still in play for, for Arizona. I think, uh, you know, the length of those, uh, contracts to those veterans that you mentioned also just kind of goes to say that you know they, they still need a long-term answer pretty desperately and it, it wouldn't surprise me if if they went uh with a quarterback in the first round yeah that that's definitely true and otherwise we, the jets are going with uh josh mccown and and teddy bridgewater as like the uh you know the super backup so that'll be interesting to watch i think if teddy has his uh health improving then he should be good eventually. I don't know if New York's the best fit for him, but oh well. And Josh McCown's injury history makes him more likely to uh, miss time than not, despite right. how well last year went. So yeah, it seems like you're going to see both of them make starts this year. And I'm, I'm reasonably optimistic about both, but it's going to be interesting to watch if the, the firing, the puzzling firing of John Morton, their offensive coordinator from last year and their replacement of him with Jeremy Bates, who uh, was like out of the league for like three years and is just a quarterbacks coach last year mm-hmm. for the Jets. That might be an issue, and if so, the, those two quarterbacks might suffer for it. But uh, personnel-wise, I think it's you know a nice starting point for the Jets since they couldn't get at Cousins. So. Yeah. Um, so, do you think that? with that do you think the jets are a team to watch as far as a potential trade down or do you think they still are considering a quarterback at six i think they still want a quarterback at six or at least they want one now that they couldn't get at a at a kirk cousins but yeah it's it's just i think teddy bridgewater signing is them kind of acknowledging that they might not get one no matter how hard they try to get one Mm -hmm. and uh because as much as i'm hopeful for teddy bridgewater as much as i liked him as a prospect pre-injury i think it would be foolish of them to think like all right now we're set Uh, and they wouldn't have signed him to a one-year deal if they thought they were yeah no that's a that's a good point i I think that bridgewater is you know i i think we're all pulling for him but i think that you know this is this isn't like his long-term destination. Like I think best case scenario when it comes to Bridgewater is that he plays well uh, when given the chance this year, and then maybe parlays that into a into a deal this time next year, free agent wise. Yeah, I agree with that. And maybe the Jets can you know turn him into a compensatory pick if he signs big somewhere else, something like that. But yeah, that that kind of ties up the quarterbacks. And I guess do you want to go with just like the biggest names at both running back or all of running back receiver tight end kind of work downwards. So maybe like Sammy Watkins going to Kansas City w- worth going at next. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Uh, what a rip. 
Yeah, it's I, I don't know where it's going. It seems like there should be targets for him. The Chiefs offense had a lot of targets going to guys like uh Demet was his, Demetri- Demarcus Robinson. Robinson. Yeah, Demarcus Robinson, uh, like guys like Chris Conley have been getting snaps there for a while, not doing much Albert with them. Albert Wilson's gone. Albert Wilson is gone. He's uh he's my, mo- mostly a slot guy. I don't know if uh, Kansas City has intentions of using Watkins at all in the slot or Watkins kind of playing the outside deep role and then maybe moving Tyree kill into more of like a slot underneath thing again I, th- I would hope that Andy Reid saw the light last year when Nagy took over the play calling and basically turned them from a drag route curl exclusive offense and you know all verts all the time after that and that's when Tyreek Hill predictably went nuts uh, maybe even a deep ball passer out of Alex Smith and I feel like that's that's uh not a concern so much with Mahomes, like you know he can go deep absolutely and he's he's he intends to do it uh, i do worry about how andy reed might give him the route combinations to actually see that through like if he's just calling a bunch of drags again like before Nagy took over the play calling that would be such a waste of Watkins's talent I, th- I want him and hill going vertical all the time okay so what do you know about the new offensive coordinator or, or is there going to be a similar hierarchy there where where reed is still taking that step back and letting someone else call the plays well it's eric b enemy is replacing him and i think he was like the running backs coach so it's an in-house guy okay. usually that's not like a you know someone taking over the department it's more like they kind of just assist the head coach especially when this the, the head coach is an offensive coach mm-hmm. like andy reed is and i think andy reed gets a bad rap for a lot of stuff um reasonably so but one thing i've never doubted him about is his general adeptness as a passing game thinker in the nfl and he's a great quarterbacks coach in the meantime even if he's no good as a play caller anymore like he still develops quarterbacks well and i feel like if you can do that you have to have some sort of you know feel for the pulse mm-hmm. of the game and if nagy kind of basically just showed him like hey you, you were doing these things wrong and reed is like humble enough to look at that and see like oh i i should have been doing this all along then i'll do it next year then how about that and if he does i think it all works out fine but if he reverts to that you know pre-week uh, 13 or whatever it was sort of offense it's like that's going to be a huge waste especially when you have an arm like Mahomes like you should be going deep all the time with him do you, so you know let, let's let's uh you know maybe give the benefit of the doubt then and, and think okay the the Chiefs went and got a guy like Watkins with the with the intention of getting the most out of him and using him as that downfield uh compliment that someone to kind of surround uh Patrick Mahomes and give him another quality target to for his first year as a starter yeah I I should I should have said I guess I love Watkins signing uh, if they use him the right way I am a full believer in Watkins like my frustration with this signing is more like I'm worried that he's going to continue to go to waste Uh, he was open all the time in Los Angeles I know people look at his numbers with the Rams and I understand when we pay so much attention to things like market share he had a terrible market share in that offense he was he saw his usage lower than a rookie third round pick slot receiver in Robert Woods but it's easy to see that it was a it was dictated by scheme and maybe even more so Jared Goff's lack of arm strength because we saw Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods play in the same offense before Robert Woods was not the number one receiver we know that this is an issue of design and not talent 
Um, so I, I'm a full believer in Watkins. I think he's probably a top five talent at receiver, and I, I get just you know like death threats when I say that, but it's <laughs> I still believe it. And I think he's going to be great if they just send him and Tyreek Hill both downfield because Mahomes, we know he's going to do like Russell Wilson stuff where he's just spin moves in the backfield for like you know half a minute yep. and chucking it deep. I want Watkins w- with that role because like improvising with a guy like Mahomes, you can't, you can't cover Watkins. That's the thing people don't really understand. It's like, despite what you see in his numbers, no one can cover him. He's always open all the time. So with Mahomes getting corners, you know, turned around and safeties unsure of whether to, to, to come up to help mm-hmm. the run threat or stay deep with the pass help, there should be a lot of big plays to be had as long as they basically run the Nagy offense. And I, I think if they do that, it'll be a great signing for Watkins and Mahomes. There we go. So I think, yeah, that covers it. And, you know, I think people also need to realize Sam Watkins still just 24 years old. So, I mean, there's, there's still, <clears throat> still, uh, the best years ahead of him potentially. And I think, uh, getting into this offense that hopefully will be geared towards a downfield passing game with, you know, taking advantage of the, the kind of arm that Mahomes has, yeah. which is, you know, special. He's really. a lot like Donovan McNabb, who Andy Reid did a great job of using in Philadelphia. So I hope he just basically does what he did back then. McNabb was going deep all the time. In yeah, those exactly. Days. And made Freddie Mitchell look good even one time. Uh, literally one time. Even Freddie was pretty bad on the Eagles. But, the, but like, Todd Pinkston and James Thrash were putting up numbers, and who are they anyway? Exactly. Todd Pinkston. I just remember him allergy a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Todd Stinkston. Uh, but yeah, the, the the bigger name to a lot of people in this receiver class was Allen Robinson, who I don't think is as good as Watkins, but I do think Robinson is quite good, and I love the landing spot. What do you think uh, of you know the projected uh, contract that he's getting? Uh, Fourteen million a year. Yeah, yeah. That was. I thought that was a good deal. I would have been prepared to pay fifteen or sixteen for him. And uh, people looked at the Watkins getting sixteen per year and were like, "Oh my god, that is so much money." It's like he's tied basically for Jarvis Landry with the third highest figure this year. And the guys that are immediately behind them, like AJ Green, Julio Jones, we know the next contract they get is going to get way bigger than what Watkins has. So basically, uh, Watkins at three right now, tied for three, is going to be like the eighth most expensive receiver by this time next year and robinson's probably going to be like the 15th most expensive or something like that and i i know people are baking in the acl to that number i don't think they should i have no reason to think that that acl is going to affect anything going forward so i think it's a great signing by the the bears even as someone who thinks walking is better right and and i yeah i really like this and you know with the kind of discount that they're getting um relative to you know the skill set that robinson can kind of bring to the table um i think this is a really smart move i think it's another move uh kind of you know there's some parallelism to to this and uh what Kansas Kansas City did uh, with Mahomes, you know, getting him a Sammy yeah. Watkins type because I mean, last year was there a, really a worse receiving core in the NFL than what the Bears had on a regular basis? Uh, not likely, not likely. Like so, their number one receiver was probably like Tanner Gentry for a few weeks, and some guys who just won't make the team this year. That is bonkers. So yeah, going out and, and getting a guy like Allen Robinson, like a true number one, uh, you know, any way you put it, size and speed and leaping ability and hands. He's got it all, and he's 24. So I mean, this is you know this sets up really well. I'm, I'm excited to see what Trubisky and him can can get going. Yeah, definitely. And we were talking about Nagy. I'm high on Nagy after seeing how he ran that Chiefs offense when he took that over. Um, I like that he seems committed to sort of the new 
brand of football and he's committed to tempo people aren't talking about this enough in my opinion but i think we got to put the bears on high alert for running the most plays in the league next year because they hired mark halfrick as their offensive coordinator and you know i saw some people say like oh he's really going to be an offensive coordinator maybe he will be i really doubt it though because i think he's mostly there just to like run the practices and basically uh provide logistical structure for Nagy's vision of how it should all work because uh Helfrick is a Chip Kelly disciple they also brought in I want to say the offensive line coach from Washington State who also run a very up-tempo scheme yes. although one that's exclusively pass whereas uh Oregon is, is the Chip Kelly version is a pretty run heavy one so it looks like they're going to run a lot of plays I don't know why you bring those two guys in unless you're basically trying to get your team conditioned to run a lot of no huddle and if they are then we can expect the bears to run more plays than most teams and then even if they're not particularly explosive or efficient they still get enough volume to provide numbers and i don't i'm not conceding that they don't have the talent to do it well either because like i was i'm ambivalent i'm like a agnostic i should say on a trubisky it's like I, i like the tools i thought he was reasonably promising last year i'm not expecting him to be good or bad but when you have Allen Robinson there, if, if Nagy's as good as I think he is, they added Trey Burton too. He was one right. of the bigger free agency signings. Uh, so they uh, s- stopped him from going to Detroit and uh, paid up to get him for $8 million a year. I love that look. I, f- I, f- I feel like um, he might do some of the slot receiver tasks there. Like Burton's only 6'1, 225 or yeah, something like that. I do have a question for you because, uh, you know, I think a lot of times people will transfer certain traits over for you know if a coach is coming over they're they're assuming that maybe like burton kind of becomes the next travis kelsey so like what's your sort of expectation there as far as far as production yeah that kansas city offense didn't have a role for a burton player uh i think the the obvious use for him is more as like an aaron hernandez type of thing but he might be a totally functional slot receiver too i think he's going to get some work there probably get some backfield looks some more traditional tight end looks but he's not going to be playing in line that much like at all and uh they're not paying him that much to to just be a decoy like he's going to get touches i think so i'm I'm curious and i'm optimistic of where it's all going i think it's a good collection of talent and uh, skills and when you give the tempo and if if you factor in Nagy being just like a smart schemer who gets a seem to overachieve I'm, I'm pretty optimistic i like pretty much everybody that we see in that offense at their current prices i like trubisky i like jordan howard i think he's gonna get a ton of work this year i think Tariq cohen's gonna get a lot of work too uh probably splitting time at receiver slot receiver maybe too so they just got a bunch of guys who can catch and run what do you make of uh taylor gabriel going up there yeah i like that one too it's like him and him and uh cohen are kind of redundant but it's a good redundancy because it's just they're going to spread you out and be very fast and hard to chase at at all the levels they spread you thin on yeah so i mean this really shaheen i still like shaheen a lot like he's the one who's going to be playing in line so burton can basically just run routes all the time so this is kind of just a an amazing turnaround you know the bears you know, I wouldn't say that they're going to get like the 49ers helium as far as expectations for for this. Kind no, of they're going to get overlooked. The 49ers are going to be the chalk and people are going to overlook the Bears. And I don't think they should there. Yeah, because I mean, this is they you know, I think it's a market coaching improvement. And I think that, you know, the overall talent improvement uh, influx from from the offensive side is, is you know, something that you can't forget about. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. 
It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cashback or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from VCUSA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And uh, I guess some of the other receivers, real quickly, it's like Marquise Lee returning to Jacksonville. I don't really care about that so what much. What do you make of them spending a, a kind of hefty Nine and a half million a year on them. Yeah, I thought that was just them kind of conceding, like, all right, we're not going to get anybody better for the next two years for less than like $12 million well, a year. I was, was going to see what you thought about Moncrief going down. Oh, Moncrief. For, for kind of an expensive-ish. Actually, I didn't see what the figure was on that, wasn't it? I thought it? I saw like a $10 million for the first year or something. Oh, that might be like one of those tricky contracts then where it's like basically a one-year deal, but they call it a three-year and it's something like that. But okay. um, yeah, I didn't see the dollar figure on him. I like Moncrief as a speculative pickup. I hate the landing spot for fantasy purposes. I'm not going to care at all about him this year in that team because they're 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 a low passing volume offense with too many targets yeah it's like even if Moncrief is better than Lee it's like that gets you what maybe 800 yards when they're also going to be splitting up targets between uh, Cole and Westbrook too right yeah there's just a lot of and they're looking at getting Safarian Jenkins too so like there's there's a lot of I just don't like it for Moncrief he's going to be more useful as a real life asset than a fantasy one unfortunately for the people who have been uh, holding on to their shares oh man well that's too bad Um, what did you make of you know there are a pair of uh, signings by Baltimore uh, on Tuesday uh, went out going for john brown and then a paying a lot for ryan grant too yeah ryan grant is a slot receiver he can't do anything else maybe he'll be okay at it i don't know i i am not optimistic about brown because it just seems like the sickle cell trade is a real issue for him if he can get over that then we we know he's fast he can play but we don't know if his body's gonna let him so I, I think, yeah, it was too much to pay for Grant, though. I think slot receivers, slot receivers are easy enough to find that you shouldn't be paying almost like $8 million a year for a guy to do that, especially when... Uh, he has like one year of productivity, right? Yeah, he's all right. It's just, but he's he's probably like a middle-class man's Jericho Cotri or something like that. And uh, I don't I don't know. It, it If they can get some other explosive players, maybe the the offense would fit coherently enough together. But I wouldn't even trust that. Yeah, it's like Grant's Grant's not even as talented as Campanaro. He just has better durability. So it's it's like it's just not exciting. It's hard to. But maybe Grant gets enough targets. I mean, Mornwig's going to call a lot of pass plays. So in fantasy, he might have some cheap value, especially in PPR. Yeah, if he's playing close to the line, Flacco likes to pick out one guy that that plays you know within five to ten yards, and he loves a good dump off or just short route and i think that you know maybe grant becomes his new guy. he'll hold on to the ball i mean two years ago dennis pitta like led all tight ends and catches somehow like it, it, he loves because he was route. that good yeah so ppr 
Grant might be like a little bit of like a cheat code or something. Yeah, he might actually. be. He might be pretty useful because it, even if unless he has like a huge preseason, no one's going to really care. It's just going to be like people go to him because the projections say he might get sixty catches. But in an offense that throws that much, and especially if they don't add other receivers between now and the start of the year, like Grant could catch like eighty passes, but it's probably going to be for like eight hundred and fifty yards yeah, and three gonna, touchdowns. It's going to be gross, but yeah. like that, like I said, P, the PPR wrinkle there. Uh, mm. is, is something to at least monitor but yeah otherwise i don't think that baltimore has a ton of really interesting uh only other yeah the only other receivers really I, I i like albert wilson enough as a slot receiver but i hate him going to miami in the first place where they already have jakeem grant and then they signed danny amendola who's also a slot receiver i don't see how that's going to work i don't think the dolphins are at all uh, they're like barely lucid as an organization i don't know what they're thinking Stephen ross is a clown but uh paul richardson was a pretty hyped up sleeper to a lot of people he went for eight million a year to washington where at least they have the role for him like he's i assume going to be working as like a downfield target i'm skeptical that he's any good though uh he's he's only fast because he's prohibitively light yeah and if you watch seattle games he doesn't separate that much and his he uh, mostly gets his long touchdown plays from russell wilson doing just you know backyard football scramble plays and there's some value in that i mean if you're good at that that's that's a useful skill to be able to improvise but they're paying him to get open deep and even if he gets open deep i think it's fair to worry that alex smith won't get him the ball there so i'm not chasing paul richardson in fantasy i don't think he's that good okay. uh, a lot of people who are smarter than me do think he is good but i guess we'll see I'll, i probably won't have any shares though unless like josh doxson gets hurt or something like that okay yeah i think that uh i think both of us are pretty lukewarm uh on that um any other receivers that you think uh you know the landing spots fit well um there's i only am interested in uh kind of terrell Pryor and to a lesser extent jordan matthews jordan matthews was saying that he was hurt all last year and maybe him playing hurt can explain how just bad and plotting his numbers have been because he did have a really good combine uh coming out of vanderbilt so maybe he actually is faster than he's looked the past couple years i don't know i'll be monitoring to see if he goes to a place where there's targets to project but not particularly hopeful and i still believe i'm a terrell prior truther i'm never going to back down on this i think that uh the nfl with its like caveman you know uh just the guard of cavemen who run the league are kind of the sort of people who will look at terrell prior and be like the the former quarterback he's soft i saw him drop a pass last year did you know he he was he was uh saying he was hurt last year and you know it's I, I think they can probably look at a player like him and just be like, f- field fairy or something and just, just hate him for that reason. When the, the more pertinent, you know, traits are that he's huge and extremely fast. Like he's probably the fastest player on a number of teams if they sign him today. So I, I still think Terrell Pryor is really good. I'm increasingly losing faith that he's going to get any chance to prove it, but I, I still think he's better than Richardson. I think he's better than Moncrief. Um, I think he's better than Marquise Lee. So I, I hope Green Bay gets him for like a one-year, $2 million contract or something because I bet he would work great in a Rodgers offense. Uh, with, with Jordy Nelson getting cut? They need outside receivers. They should cut Randall Cobb too. I don't know why they haven't, but that's discouraging because like he's just useless in the slot, not even doing good by slot receiver standards. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they have no one to play out. Like Geronimo Allison, I'm sorry, is not a serious response to this. No, no, I don't think so either. So yeah, Green Bay does kind of become an interesting 
uh, landing spot should, ter- uh, you know, hopefully Terrell Pryor uh, finds a good spot. Um, let's shift gears over to the running backs. Um, Carlos Hyde going to Cleveland and Jarek McKinnon going to San Francisco. Uh, those are kind of the two headliner moves uh, thus far. And then we'll also get into Deion Lewis because I think you and I have a similar feeling on, on Derek Henry despite this move. But yeah, let's, let's jump first into Carlos Hyde. Yeah. So he's, he was going to Cleveland as of this morning and I think it's a downgrade. I, I think Todd Haley is a good offensive coordinator, but I think the dysfunction just for the Browns generally might be a bit of an issue. And I could be wrong. I like Tyrod Taylor and he could open things up quite a bit because of the bootleg threat that he poses forces you to play wider containment, which makes it easier to run up the middle. Um, I think that that could work well, but I do worry about just the, the ownership, Hugh Jackson fighting with Todd Haley, stupid things like that. Even like Greg Williams, I guess, could make some kind of stupid scene. He certainly did once before. And uh, I I just worry that the Browns are a mess of clowns running the show. And I'm not sure how much it matters what the talent level is on the field uh, outside of like some garbage stat categories, which we're interested in those. I do worry about whether Carlos Hyde can get the garbage stats, though, with Duke Johnson being their catch up running back. Okay, so even even with Crowell being gone, you you still feel like Hyde is probably like you guys should or everyone should kind of like take whatever Hyde's workload projection is and maybe take it with a grain of salt. I guess you can project him for basically about the same as Isaiah Crowell, but I think it's worth keeping in mind. Hyde probably is more of a durability risk than Crowell was. And I think Duke Johnson deserved more work than he's been getting. And I think the Browns might notice that. And if so, it would probably be at Hyde's expense. Hmm. So I'm, I'm thinking he's kind of like a lower end running back too. Whereas if he had stayed in San Francisco and Jarek McKinnon hadn't signed there, we'd be thinking of Hyde as almost more like a borderline running back one. Okay. All right. That's a fair way to frame Yeah. Frame it. Um, and then, I mean, with San Francisco, is it, is giving McKinnon that much money just sort of like we have cap space and let's let's hit that floor, baby? It could be, and I don't know what to make of the signing. I'm I'm trying to be optimistic about it because I think McKinnon has a lot of useful traits, but my concern is that he is 100% redundant to Matt Breda, yeah. and I think you have to consider McKinnon the better player, but their their natures are almost identical. Like they're almost exactly the same player, and with that being the case, it's not that they're so committed to McKinnon that if he gets cold for a stretch that they wouldn't, you know, just go to Brita and perhaps never go back to him. It's like he needs to actually hold on to that role by earning it because they don't have enough invested in him to just hand him anything. Uh, and Brita, if, if, you know, if McKinnon does stumble at all for any little thing, it's like Brita might truly be just a better alternative. And McKinnon, you know, McKinnon, w- with the amount of money that he's supposed to be getting, you know, you figure that he, he should be the number one back there. And then consider this, you know, over the last two years, 150 or more carries in both of those years, 3.4 yards per carry, 3.8 yards per carry. And, and he has no power, no leg drive at all. Yeah, he's so there's super quick and catch the ball. touchdowns on the ground. Yeah. So he's not going to move the pile ever. He's not even going to really, he, he's the kind of guy who struggles to break arm tackles and uh maybe that can change i don't know but i'm i'm thinking he's gonna be worth going after and 
PPR especially, and perhaps, I don't know, maybe in like the sixth round. We got, I have no idea where the market's going to go for, with this, but mm-hmm. s- some metrics people really love him and really love the fit, and I understand it. Uh, there's a lot of encouraging things about McKinnon and Shanahan using him is pretty interesting because whatever you think of, you know, uh, Pat Shermer, it's like Shanahan seems like the more formidable offensive mind, and he might be able to find ways to make McKinnon productive that Shermer couldn't. So that, that's a possibility too. And, the, and when you do your uh, best ball drafts or just look at spring mocks this year, you'll see the running backs thin out really fast. And by like the fourth round, you're looking at all these guys who you have no idea whether they're going to get 10 carries or 20 carries a game. And a lot of them, you couldn't possibly guess who their competition is going to be at this point. At least with McKinnon, you're pretty sure it's not going to be like, uh, they're not going to bring in like a running back in the first three rounds. Now no. they might bring in like a Zach Crockett, Stacy Mack, you know, goal line guy. Uh, but it's hard to see them auditioning people between the twenties, given what Brita showed last year and how much they're paying McKinnon now. Yeah. So it seems like, yeah, San Francisco at the very least uh, seems to be uh, set uh, as far as their running backs are concerned. Um, let's move on to Dion Lewis. Yeah. Um, because I think he is, a smidge of fool's gold I, I, I you know i don't really want to you know say say anything against his talent or anything but i think that what you got out of him last year with the patriots uh is the best you're gonna ever get from him probably and i, I think that uh moving to tennessee uh it's i think it's good for tennessee but i still think that henry's the guy to own oh yeah definitely and i i saw some takes yesterday someone saying like i bet Deion loose is gonna be the lead back like he might play more snaps as like a matter of playing in like hurry up situations and things like that. But my God, are you serious? Like the, the Derek Henry is faster than Dion Lewis at more than 50 pounds heavier. Think about that. And it, it, I, I know normally that's not in itself proof of anything, but when you factor in Derek Henry's production in the NFL and especially at Alabama, when you have that kind of speed advantage, you're the better runner. You yes. are. He's not the pass catcher that Lewis is, but that's kind that's of fine. that's the point. Like he's going to be like the Gio Bernard of the offense. He's not going to be the lead ball carrier just because some advanced analytics about his small sample of inside running in an incomparable New Orleans offense. Like you're not going to extract any signal from that. Uh, at least nothing to overrule Derrick Henry. Be serious. Uh, but I think you're going to see an up-tempo offense with Matt LaFleur there. I think it's going to get a lot better. I expect big things from the Titans. Well, people, again, are going after the 49ers. Reasonably so. I don't think the 49ers are going to hurt you, but I do think you're going to have to pay a dollar twenty-five to the dollar with those guys, whereas with the Bears and the Titans, you're probably it's going to be the other way around. You're giving like 75 cents on the dollar for guys that I think are going to be maybe even better. I have all the faith in Mariota. I think they're going to go up-tempo. I think it's going to be more like the Chip Kelly-Baylor kind of approach where it's still ground-heavy despite uh, the speed that they play with. Right. And I think there's going to be room for both Henry and Lewis, but I think you're going to see Henry push for 1300, 1400 yards on the ground, probably like 12 touchdowns. So and is Henry like a top 15 pick still, or do you think that like the, the Lewis, you know, implied discount here could, could drop him down closer to like 20. I don't know. I'm doing some best ball drafts on draft.com. So I hopefully get some, you know, some info on that coming up. But generally he seemed to have been going like kind of in that 12 to 15 range before the, the uh, Lewis signing. If he's falling to the late second, I'm still picking him. I might still pick him at, you know, 12 to 15. It's just that he might be limited to more of like a Jordan Howard role than like, you know, a LaShawn McCoy one or something. But like Henry was never a guy realistically, realistically going to catch more than 30 passes. He was always the kind of guy who gets like 25, and he goes for 300 yards and three touchdowns because he breaks off, you know, a 70 yard touchdown, uh, like 
clockwork. Mm-hmm. So I, I love Henry still. I think Lewis will have PPR utility, but I think people are going to overpay for him as is the custom. Yeah. I, yeah. I think so too. I think that, yeah, this is, this is a, a situation that's really important to get on the right side of it. Um, let's move on. It's really just like tight ends left. I guess. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I should say I'm not expecting much from Isaiah Crowell. I think he's, basically redundant to Bilal Powell and Elijah McGuire. They're all nondescript guys who don't offer that much, but aren't glaringly weak in any particular way. What does Jonathan Stewart signing in, the, in <laughs> New York do? Like, uh, he probably that, doesn't even make the team. I don't know. <laughs> like, but at the same time, is that something, you know, Barkley has been a relatively trendy pick to the giants. And while Stewart shouldn't really change that, if the giants were thinking of going that way, do you think it actually does? I don't think they were ever going to go that way. I, th- I think they're going to take, I guess I could see them passing on quarterback. If Rosen goes first, maybe they're not high on any of Darnold Mayfield, whatever, but that's the way it would have to go. I think like, I don't think, um, I don't think that Stewart signing there indicates anything in particular. Like, I don't think it says they're off Barkley, but I, I think they would go, uh, with the quarterback more likely than not, uh, regardless of what they get at running back or anywhere else before the draft starts. All right. Fair enough. Um, and then did you, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Did you have oh, anything no. else to, to add to the crawl or just... uh, not really? I guess I consider him the best of those three running backs, but uh, the, the jets were very committed to rotating off in last year. And I'm suspecting we'll see a, like a, a, I don't know, 40, 40, 20, or maybe even like a 35, 35, Uh, whatever the number is left after that um so something like that we'll see uh i'm not gonna go buying him ideally no uh, yeah i I think i probably made a mistake if i have him on my team this year something has gone horribly wrong but um let's get on to those tight ends then um jimmy graham uh going to the packers i think there's some initial excitement about that uh what was your reaction i'm I'm feeling unconfident in my ability to assess Jimmy Graham. Cause there were some times watching him last year where he, he looked just sluggish, but he, he was also playing hurt. Middle. Yeah. So it's, it, he was dropping lots of passes. That's something that could be explained by the injury too. It's like, you're you're not feeling confident in your focus on the ball when you're jumping into the air if you're also worried about your ankle exploding when you land with it. Yep. So that could have been part of it. Two years ago, he was very explosive in that offense, pushing like 10 yards a target in his first year back from the patellar tendon tear. So that was very impressive. I was worried that last year might have been, though, the kind of breakdown that happens over the longer term after a surgery like the patellar tendon repair. But Mm -hmm. if it was just a fluke ankle or whatever it was or shin or whatever it was, if it was just a fluke, he should bounce back. And we know he's going to get the red zone targets at the very least. So the question is like, if he plays 16 games, is he going to only catch for like 500 yards and 10 to 15 touchdowns? Or will he also get 800, 900 yards in addition to those touchdowns? Yeah. I feel, I feel really good about the touchdown floor with him at the, at the, very yeah, least. yeah, definitely. And I think you, you bake in also Jimmy Graham, or I'm sorry, uh, Jordy Nelson being gone. Uh, that's, there's no red zone target exactly. there. Like Devonte Adams can get off the, the jam real quick and he's, he's slick. He's quick. He's not going to get a jump ball. Right. So yeah, this, this should be very touchdown heavy for, for Jimmy Graham. So I think that, you know, if you, if you do feel good about him having a bounce back on the, on the health front, which I think is definitely reasonable, then uh, yeah, I like Graham a lot. I like this landing spot. Um, Before we got on air shortly before uh, Eric Ebron got the ax from Detroit. um, And I initially, I immediately saw Cowboys Twitter kind of going nuts. 
Um, they just think. I, I think. That were they just going to do really that anyway? Over, they're really over Witten, it seems like. So Witten isn't very useful, but I also wonder if it would be. If, if it is a smart thing to get Eric Ebron, if you're Dallas, Jerry Jones probably isn't thinking of it. <laughs> he's just not very good at this. Uh, he's, he's wasted so much of that cap on Terrence Williams and Cole Beasley. Uh, he's not the kind of person who's going to spot Jason Witten for the inefficiency that he might be. No, uh, Witten's been there for forever, and thus yeah. he must still be good. He was here yesterday and the day before that, and uh, so it goes. But I think I think Ebron has some talent. But I don't think, in hindsight, he shouldn't have been picked in that first round at all, let alone 10th overall. Before yeah, someone someone had a pretty unfavorable-looking screenshot of the guys that have Oh, did you see him. who went after him? Yeah. Who went two picks after him? I was I can't remember. There, there, um, Aaron Donald was in there. and Aaron Donald, uh, and yes, uh, Odell Beckham went two picks after. Yes. Yeah, oh. so nice work, Detroit. <laughs> uh, but he has bad hands, and he's his head isn't quite in the game the way some of the better players in the league are like he's he's more tools than production Mm -hmm. and he'll always be that way but sometimes even players like him their price tag gets low enough and they get at the exact right spot in their development land in the right offense where they have a couple career years that are very useful um even if they're you know no use to the team that drafted him so i think he could have a, a pretty nice uh next couple of years depending on where he lands but one thing about him is I don't ever want to pay much for him. I think if he has your big payoff for you, it's because you basically got him for free and you just happened to speculate on him the right year. Um, And you're never going to know which year it is. And when it goes right, it might go completely opposite the next year for no reason at all. Man, that's a that's a really str- strong take on Ebron, but I think I think it's uh, it's hard to disagree with you. He's been so scattershot throughout it, throughout his career. It's hard to really see, and you know we have a decent enough sample size now uh, to to where it's probably hard to imagine him being a consistent presence one way or the other uh, moving forward. Um, any other tight ends that you wanted to get into? I know that um, you know Seattle has been hosting Austin Safarian Jenkins, and they're going to take a look at Ed Dixon as well. Yeah, we talked about Burton, and he's the most interesting. I think aside from that but uh safarian jenkins i like as a talent i mean he was a borderline five-star guy when he went to washington and he was very productive at washington despite dealing with off the field difficulties all the while apparently so there's a reason to think he's just point blank one of the most talented tight ends in the league and it seems like the narrative around him doesn't really take him for that it's more like he's a just like this in-between kind of guy and it's he's not an in-between guy he's like very talented yeah when he started at click last year there are a few weeks where he was you know very productive yeah so i like him quite a bit i hope he doesn't go to jacksonville i hope he goes to seattle or just somewhere where he's actually going to get some targets because i bet he can do a good amount with them but yeah otherwise a tight end it's um it's kind of bleak cameron Brait going to tampa bay again isn't unexpected exactly but it annoys it annoys me nonetheless because they're going to put him at slot receiver a bunch of the time when they're not already blocking chris godwin with adam humphreys who shouldn't be on the field at all they gave him a second round uh tender when the saints gave willie sneed an original round they were both undrafted players willie sneed is a lot better than adam humphreys yep. buccaneers front office is a joke um but yeah i hope they don't use braid as an excuse to keep oj howard blocking because they should basically move him to receiver yeah oj howard is ridiculous you know pass catching talent um so yeah we, the uh the buccaneers continue to be frustrating uh what do you think ends up happening with tyler eifert i kind of feel like he's done i don't know i mean he was a really really good player and i don't think he'll ever get as much credit for how good he was as he should but 
that back just he he probably shouldn't be playing really i mean it's getting it you have to worry about you know your health when you have that many back issues as severe as they are it's not like he's just had like a nagging soreness for a few years it's like every time it's they got to like put him on a shelf for six months yeah he's he's played more than 10 games uh just twice in his career and then the three other combined uh seasons 11 games yeah it's really it's really disappointing because he was he was really good yeah he was and, an absolute boss but like you said like, like these these health issues are really just they're piling up in a way where troy nicholas is the more interesting i think like post prospect kind of guy in the class uh, he has no injury issues that i'm aware of but he just hasn't been getting any targets in arizona the past couple of years but uh he was like a high recruit at notre dame who had a right. late bloom and maybe he's just late blooming again okay so but that's uh certainly possible we'll see uh where he ends up uh at his next stop all right i guess that's gonna wrap it up for us here today on the Rotowire NFL podcast. We will be back again next Wednesday to break down any further free agent signings that come up over the next week. And we'll also be getting back into some more draft stuff. For Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.